0: there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from emmanuel's veins my way was a song written in 1969 by paul anka and composed and co-written by jacques Revaux. it was written for and sung originally by frank sinatra it was also sung by other popular artists such as elvis presley and Sid Vicious of the Sex Pistols. The song is played a lot during funerals in the United Kingdom. It is nothing more than a swan song and a summary of a man who lived his life his way. After a life of decisions, regrets, and various outcomes, the song closes with, Yes, it was my way. The song is blatantly selfish and focuses on one thing and one thing only, doing things our way pleasing the flesh, putting ourselves above others, making hard decisions based on what we want, facing the music, and having regrets because we have to be first. In Genesis chapter number 25 to 27, we have four individuals who sing the same song. At the end of chapter 27, a chapter of lies, betrayal, greed, selfishness, in a broken family, Isaac, Rebecca, Esau, and Jacob could all simply say, Yes, it was my way." This is preached the Word with Dean Carmichael. Till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. welcome to Preach the Word with Brother Dean Carmichael of Greensboro. And now let's welcome our dear friend, Brother Dean. All right, friends, we come here to Genesis chapter number 25, and the title of the message is, When We Do It Our Way, When We Do Things Our Way. Now, we look at Isaac and Rebecca, and when we look at this text here in Genesis chapter number 25 the Bible says in Genesis chapter number 25 in verse number 23 And the Lord said unto her Two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people and the elder shall serve the younger Now when we look at this story, let's introduce the four characters here. Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau. So let's start with Isaac. Isaac was promised by God to inherit the blessing of his father. He was a miracle baby. We looked at this in previous episodes. He was a well digger. His name means laughter. Isaac was a type of Jesus Christ. He had a miraculous birth. He was offered as a sacrifice. He was given a bride by his father. He was loved by his bride, and he inherited his father's wealth. We then look at Rebekah, Isaac's wife, the mother of Jacob and Esau. As a type of the church, she was told about Isaac by his father's unnamed servant. She loved him before she met him, and she trusted he was who his servant said he was. She was willing to leave it all behind and go and follow him. Rebecca is really a a perfect type of the church. And their two children, Jacob and Esau. Jacob's the younger son. His name means hill catcher, deceitful, clever. He inherited Isaac's blessing and became the father of the twelve tribes of Israel. Jacob was a mama's boy. He did what mommy told him to do. He was deceitful. He was clever. He got his way when he wanted his way. He did it. Always in favor of his mother. Esau was the eldest son. Esau was not interested in God. He was only interested in earthly things. He was the father of the Edomites. He was red. He was earthy. He was a man's man. He was a daddy. of uh, What you would call in modern day an all-American boy. He was a physical. He was an athlete. He was Isaac's favorite son. Now in Genesis chapter number 25 let's read these verses very carefully And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord was entreated of him and Rebekah his wife conceived and the children struggled together within her and she said if it be so why am I thus and she went to inquire of the Lord and the Lord said unto her two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people shall be separated from the bowels and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, all over, like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old, and she bared it. God makes it very clear what will happen. And spoiler alert, it does happen. He's very specific. He's straight to the point. This is not a riddle. This is not a vision or a beautiful poem that can be interpreted by only certain people or some mystic vision. Verse 23 starts out with, And the Lord said unto her, and it ends with, The elder shall serve the younger. When they were born, Esau came out first. He's the oldest. Jacob comes out next. He had his hand attached to his heel. This was preordained by God. God knew Esau's descendants would be enemies of Israel. He knew Jacob would be in the very lineage of Jesus Christ. But as we move on here, there are problems. Now. Before we move on, let's think about this. When we do things our way, what God has said in his word is going to happen. It is going to happen. But the whole topic, the whole theme of this message is we can do things one way or the other. What God has said is going to come to pass is going to come to pass. But we make our own decisions. We take our own paths. We can decide to either be completely submissive to God's will, or we can, by default, yield to the flesh. To further explain that, let me say this. Jesus Christ will return for his church. Before the tribulation period begins, before there is wrath, before God will judge this earth, before... Jesus Christ will return in his second advent. There will be a rapture. There will be, as the Bible tells us, a a calling calling away, a, a catching away. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians that there will be a day of Christ, as the Bible tells us. The day of Christ is the rapture. There is a plan. There is a certain time we don't know of that God will return for his children and will call us out. That's the church. And then, that's when the tribulation period begins. After the tribulation period, there'll be the day of the Lord, which is at the Battle of Armageddon. There'll be a thousand years of of a theocracy. After that, there'll be the Battle of Gog and Magog. Uh, We know that that's the time when Satan's going to be unleashed out of the bottomless pit he'll go and deceive and there'll be fire from heaven and then we'll begin eternity now what why did i say all that i said all that to say this god has a plan that plan will come to pass but it is up to us to follow him and be completely obedient and this is not just talking to the world this is not just referring to the sinner and salvation because yes it is up to the sinner to come to god's terms of salvation a sinner can reject Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and trample on everything that God has done and then spend an eternity in hell because they rejected the free gift of salvation. But we can go beyond that. A Christian who has come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ can also, after they've been justified, after they've been redeemed, after they've been declared righteous in the sight of God and their name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life and they are eternally secured, we can still make poor decisions, despite the fact that we've been declared the victory through Jesus Christ, despite the fact that our time on earth is very quick, but yet we're going to spend eternity in heaven, we can still make very poor decisions. And even though God is going to do what he said he's going to do, even though we have the victory, we can still make a horrible mess of things. And this can be illustrated in this passage. God tells Rebekah, he tells her, that the elder shall serve the younger. He tells this family of the house of Abraham, Isaac, Rebekah, he lets them know the younger is going to be the one who receives this promise. The elder shall serve the younger. But yet we read on. Genesis 25 and verse 27 and 28 and the boys grew and Esau was a cunning hunter a man of the field and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents and Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison but Rebekah loved Jacob there's favoritism in the home Isaac prefers Esau Rebekah prefers Jacob first thing that happens Jacob takes his brother's birthright. Reading down here, And Jacob saw pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with the same red pottage, for I am faint, therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now a birthright is one who had it was the head of the home, who also would be the, the line to Christ. This is the priest of the family. Jacob had a hold of Esau's heel when they were born. He was constantly trying to get that position of the older brother. Esau could care less about the brother. He didn't care about being the spiritual leader of the home. He was red, earthy. He represents the flesh. He acted as if he was going to starve to death. Can we just take a time out here and say that a boy out of the house of Abraham is not going to starve to death? He represents the world. He represents the flesh. He represents the instant gratification of the age that we live in now. It's all about me. It's all about fulfilling my constant needs and desires at this very moment. I remember reading about a story of a young man who literally sold one of his kidneys for an iPhone. And I know I don't normally use illustrations like this, and I believe that young man ended up dying later on because his other kidney failed him. But this is just an illustration of how we only care about now. And when I say we, I'm referring to the world as a whole. I'm referring to the instant gratification of the flesh. Think of your smartphone. Think of your TV. Think of all the technology that is available to us now. It could be a wonderful thing it can also be a horrible thing because we live in a time of of instant gratification now when i say we live in a time of instant gratification i mean that we live in a time where we have the means to be instantly gratified meaning i can have a conversation right now for free on my smartphone with a person millions of miles away in a completely different hemisphere continent you name it i can have a conversation for free hd full-color conversation with that person. That is a wonderful thing when you think about family being on the other side of the world, when you think about a missionary, when you think about a preacher. I once preached for a, a small community in India from a hotel room in Georgia. I had an Oxford shirt on, and then I was wearing pajama bottoms. My wife was asleep in the hotel room bed, and I preached a sermon from Skype to a small group of believers in India. That's a wonderful thing. But it can also be a horrible thing in regards to instant gratification, taking up all of our time, what these devices, what these electronics do to our brains, do to our bodies, how they're constantly taking up all of our time. And when we want something, we get it right then. We don't have to wait. And it not only affects... Us, it affects those around us. I said all that to say this. That is the flesh. If it is 2021, or if it's way back when Esau was willing to give up his birthright uh, for a, a a bowl of pottage because he thought he was going to die. He wasn't going to die. Uh, like I, Like I said, a young boy out of the house of Abraham is not going to die from starvation. It was simply because Esau did not listen to the word of God. First of all, God has already told Rebekah, God has already told this family that the birthright is Jacob's. He's already told them that. He's already told them that the elder shall serve the younger. But yet, here we go, Jacob thinks that he has to use deceit and lying and he has to Trick his brother into getting his birthright. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. And we feel like today that we have to take matters into our own hands to try to make things good and try to get our promises from God. In order to have joy and peace in this world, in order to have a clear conscience, we feel like we have to take matters into our own hands, just like Esau was trying to take matters into his own hands to get that instant gratification and the results can be catastrophic. Esau could care less about this birthright. God already promised Rebekah Esau would serve Jacob. The elder shall serve the younger. Instead of waiting on God, Jacob does it his way. He's tricky. He's deceitful. Fast forward to Genesis chapter number 27. Isaac requested that Esau would go make him some venison so he could bless him. And the blessing that Isaac received had to be passed on. So, who does he want to pass it on to? Esau, his favorite. But instead, Jacob, dressed up like Esau, Rebekah uses her son Jacob, her favorite, to dress up like her older son to trick her own husband. And Isaac is troubled. Esau ends up in a rage. He hates his brother. He says he's going to kill him. Rebecca has Jacob, her favorite son, to go flee to her brother Laban in Haran for a few days until thy brother's fury turn away. Friend, she never sees her son again. This turns into a 20-year journey. Jacob, when this is horrible. That this is a broken home. This is a this is a a, a house of God. This is a house out of Abraham that God had a specific promise to. But because they decided to do things their way, because they decided to step in with the things of God, now there is a son full of hate and rage. There is another son full of self-justification and deceit. There is a mother and a father who have favoritism, choose one over the other, and now there is a broken home. As I'm recording this, it's 2021. Happy New Year. It's actually This is the first actual broadcast of the 2021 um, year. But as I record this, I, am, uh, I live in the United States of America, and I'm recording this from the state of North Carolina. And our country right now is in so much turmoil. It is in so much, uh, what's a good word, division to explain our country right now. And a lot of people in the Bible Belt where I live would say that one of the biggest tragedies of our nation is when we, we took God out of schools, when we took prayer out of the public school system. Well, I can agree with that, but I can think of something even worse. It's when we took prayer out of the home. And to make matters even worse is when we took real prayer out of churches. It is a tragedy when you see a broken home. Do you want to know what's more more of a tragedy when you see a broken home that is a Christian home. That's a tragedy. Here is the house of Abraham. Here is God's friend this is this is a a promise, okay the very lineage of Jesus Christ here. this is a promise to this 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 godly home. And what happens? I'll tell you what happens. They did things their way. How many churches today, churches who preach the Bible, sing songs that glorify God, their sole purpose written all on the walls of their church, it's in their church bylaws, it's everywhere, is to reach the world and to to, to fund missions and to Uh, To reach the the locals and preach the word and grow discipleship. Yet the church is dead as a doornail. The preacher gets up to preach, it falls on deaf ears. Or he gets up there and he says things that they want to hear that they already know. There is envy. There is strife. There is jealousy. You might as well just write Ichabod on the door of the church. It is a dead church. Why is that? You say, but preacher, they're preaching the Bible there there we are priests who have access to the holy of holies we because of our great high priest jesus christ can go to the very presence of god the father any time we want yet you're telling me that the church is dead as a door now there are churches who are just dead and there is no the, the holy spirit is quenched or he's grieved it's either one or the other There is no power, but yet they're preaching the Bible and they're approaching God And pray. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. There is unconfessed sin and Christians, safe people, are doing things their way. They're either trying to convict sinners. They're trying to use man-made programs and rituals to try to get people in. We're trying to take the, the job of the Word of God and tell people how to live. We're doing it our way. We know what people want, we know what they don't want, we know why they don't come to church, we wash our hands of the whole matter, and then we sit there and we say, Lord bless our service, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's not going to happen. Why? Because we're doing things our way. We have let envy and strife creep into our churches. There is, there is control issues. There are churches with four or five families who run everything. Me, my four, and no more churches. There, there are churches today that are glorified Sunday school classes, meaning all it is is a small handful of people. They, they select the person that they want to preach to them. He gets up. He gives them a few, few good messages, a feel-good messages, and they, they get up and they go home and they meet three times a week. There is no outreach. There is no discipleship. There is no joy. There is no peace. The farthest thing from their church is the first church at Jerusalem. They are just a lukewarm church or they're a dead church, it's one or the other. Why is that? It's because they did things their way. It's very important that we understand. God has a plan, but if we do things our way, if we let the flesh, if we let that creep into the church, if we let that creep into our homes, it can the the results can be catastrophic. And this is exactly what happened in the house of Isaac. We go back to that song. That song that talks about a life of decisions and regrets and different outcomes. But it always closes with, yes, it was my way. It's selfish. It's all about putting yourself above others. There is a misconception out there, friend, that Satanists worship Satan. That is a misconception. And and, and there are people who, I guess, call themselves Satanists and, you know, put on the red robe and worship Satan. That is not real Satanism. Let me tell you what real Satanism is. What a real Satanist is. A real Satanist worships themselves. Okay? What did did Lucifer say? I want to be magnified above the Most High. What is that? That is setting yourself up Is God. Friend, you need to be very careful with inserting your will over God's will. You need to be very careful with putting yourself first over everything else, including God. You may not say that. You may not declare that. But your actions, your decisions, your behaviors, your instincts kick in. And it's not pointing to Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. It is pointing to pleasing your flesh over everything else. My friend, if that is your heart, it is time to repent. It is time for some self-examination. It is time for some solitude. It is time to turn back to God and declare Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. And not only, not only listen to the Word of God, but obey the Word of God and totally yield to the Holy Spirit. It's very, very important. In this story, we have four individuals who, just like that song, can honestly say, yes, it was my way. They they took matters into their own hands, despite God and his word, despite what God told them. They took matters into their own hands. When we do things our way, I want to look at three things here. Number one, there is division. In chapter number 27 of Genesis, we read, And it came to pass that when Isaac was old, and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son, and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison, and make me savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die, and Rebekah Heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, and make me savory meat that I may eat, and bless thee now before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I thee. Go now to the flock, fetch me, From thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will fill me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. And I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice, and go fetch me yet Now, I read ahead there a little bit, and we'll get into this a little bit more. But first of all, there is division. When we do things our way, there is division. Understand this. Understand this. I have been in situations before where I have almost had to be perfect. And here's what I mean by that. If I was put in charge of something within the church, whether it be a a youth group or a class or whatever it is, I found that I had to be almost perfect so people would not complain about what we were doing. It seemed whatever I did, there was always questions. There was always confusion. There was always anarchy. There were literally, I'm not trying to be funny here, there were people who were running around like chickens with their heads cut off. We don't know what to do. What happened? Why, why are we doing this? Why don't we do it this way instead? Why, why, why? And there was just, it was constant chaos. And I found myself making spreadsheets, charts. I found myself giving them plenty of notice. I found myself being extremely cautious and careful with my words, where I almost had to have everything out perfectly, yet there were still problems. What is that you want to know what that is? There is division, there is a power struggle because people want things done their way. A pastor can have everything laid out he can he can be the best leader he can be god ordained he can this is the man that God has for the church. You're talking everything is gone perfectly, but all it takes is his congregation to to want things done their way you have several people several families whatever it is but what is that that's division that's all it takes for division in the church when it's not necessarily them bucking against the pastor what they're doing is they're telling god no we want to do things our way instead when you have listen to me here pastor youth director sunday school teacher When you have someone constantly challenging you and they're saying things like, well, it it don't make no difference either way. I, I just want to know why we wanted to do it this way and we could have done it this way instead. When you hear things like that, you have a control problem on your hands. And it's not them submitting to your authority. No, it's them submitting to God's authority. That's the problem. Okay, it's very important here. There is division in this house simply because Isaac wants his way, and Rebecca wants her way. That's that's it, and the kids are just following suit. That the, you you don't have to to dig too deep into this whole story to realize that they just would have said, "Yeah, God told Rebecca that the elder is going to serve the younger." All right, now let's go and let's let's worship the Lord together as a family. But instead, hey, Jacob, your father's dying or he's in poor health. And uh he wants to bless Esau, so let's, hey, you need that blessing. So uh let's dress you up like Esau. I'll make the venison exactly like he likes it, and I'll send you in there. And if he curses you, I'll take the curse for you. Friends, that is a tragedy. That is an absolute tragedy. There are so many examples that we can use. I used one earlier about the church, about having a control issue about having people who simply want things done their way. And they will challenge anyone and everyone. They are never satisfied. A a a preacher or a leader in the church could be totally disorganized and they're not satisfied, or it could be on the very opposite end. They could have everything done to the T. They could be perfect in it. I mean complete. They could have everything out, um, totally organized everything, and there still be problems. Why is that? It's because somebody's heart is not right with God. I know it's very simple, and you don't have to look too far deep into it. Uh, it if our heart is not totally yielded to God, we are going to cause problems. We are going to be stumbling blocks. We will never be satisfied. If the if our leader in the church, our pastor says to go left, we're going to say, well, why didn't we go right? And if it's the other way around, then same thing. Well, why didn't we go left? There's never satisfaction with the flesh. Envy and strife. What is worldliness? Read the book of James. What is worldliness? I'll tell you what worldliness is. It's envying and strife. That is worldliness. Worldliness is not smoking. It's not tattoos. It's not um listening to honky-tonk music and going to the movie house, as the good old independent fundamental badgers like to say. That is not worldliness, friends, and it's not Bible. It's not worldliness. You want to know what worldliness is? It's envy and strife. Go to a dead church. You know what you're going to find? Envy and strife. You're going to find unsatisfied people who want their way and they're constantly mad at someone. There's backbiting. There's discord. There's always something. What is that? I'll tell you what it is. It's individuals not yielding entirely to the will of God. It's submitting to your flesh by default and not dying to your flesh daily in yielding to the Holy Spirit of God. When we do things our way, there is division. We know what God has said. We know what's in His Word. But because of our flesh, what do we do? We do things our way. Hey, there's, there's nowhere, no other way to say it. Number one, there's division. Number two, there's deceit. Read on down verse six through 33. I read some of that. I think I read verse six through 11 or so. Uh, that word "subtle" means deceitful, crafty, cunning with guile. The home of Isaac, the son of Abraham, where the father of the nation of Israel lives, is a home full of deceit and lies. Ain't that a sad statement? Here's a sad statement for you: the church, a a autonomous local group of believers who have been declared righteous by the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ Stand there full of deceit, full of bitterness, full of God. What what happened? Shouldn't shouldn't we have joy? Shouldn't we have peace? The church at Philadelphia, they were they were on fire for God. That's the revived church. And thank God there are churches like that still. But what about Laodicea? What about, what about the other churches, the, the dead church, um, you know, Sardis and those? Uh, what, what about those churches? What about, what about Laodicea, the lukewarm church? What happened? What is that? I'll tell you what it is. When we do things our way, there is deceit. Jacob became the father of the nation of Israel after he lied to his father on his deathbed. Friends, God's way is perfect, it's just, it's pure, it's righteous. If we do things our way sooner or later, we're going to have to be, we're going to have to to take matters into our own hands. And what happened with Jacob was he became deceitful. Think of, think of it this way, and a lot of people aren't going to agree with this, but Friends, if, if you take matters into your own hands and you don't let God's perfect will be done, you look back, you're going to find a lot of self-justification. You're going to find a lot of finger pointing. Oh, well, so-and-so does it. Friends, that ain't Bible. okay? We're declared righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why, That's how we're saved. You're not saved because so-and-so is worse off than you are. No, you're saved because if, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's through his blood, and that's it. If you're serving God, if you are right with God and in fellowship and on fire for him, it's not because you can justify yourself through someone else's actions. Well, Esau, he, oh, Isaac, Isaac chose Esau and God already chose Jacob. So we had to dress him up like Esau. No. Okay. Isaac and Esau is another story. That is, friends, they're, they're just because Isaac is is choosing Esau over Jacob doesn't give Rebecca the right to be a liar and make her son obey her voice and tell him to be deceitful. Two wrongs don't make a right. When we do things our way, there is deceit. Samson destroyed many of the Philistines after he led a rebellious life, after he chased after a strange woman, after he told his heart, after he lost all his strength after he made a fool uh, uh uh was literally being made a fool of uh because he was disobedient to god he was made sport of in front of all these philistines saul made sacrifices to god after he blatantly disobeyed him after he tried justifying his wrong actions people try to trick themselves into thinking that they are right because they are they are so set on doing things their way people today who will amen this message right now will get up and with bitterness lust and self-fulfillment go out and please their flesh friends. friends that is deceit not only do we deceive others we deceive ourselves exactly what Saul did exactly what Samson did when we do things our way there is deception and last of all there is danger when you when you read the rest here 34 through 36 Listen to these words here. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtility and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is not the rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright and behold now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants. And with corn and wine have I sustained him, and what shall I do now to thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And if you read read down, Uh, It talks about how um, Esau is now going to kill Jacob, and Rebekah has to send Jacob away to her brother Laban's house, which, Laban is a type of the world. Think about that for a minute. A mother out of a godly home, a type of the church, is now sending her son, who God already promised, Would receive the birthright and the blessing that the eldest would serve the youngest. God's already, God's already promised it. She's now sending him to Laban, who was a type of the world. Because there's now deceit, there's deception, there's destruction, there's all these things in the home, and she's sending her son out into the world. Let me tell you something. Jacob was a match for Esau. Jacob's cunningness, his subtility, his trickery. He was, he was a match for Isaac and Esau. Within the house of Abraham, but when Jacob got out into the world, he was no match for Uncle Laban. We'll we'll get into this later uh, on another podcast. Jacob was no match for his uncle Laban. What that is a perfect illustration of how the child of God, who we we get in in the church, and there is deceit because we want it to do things our way. There's destruction. There's uh, gossiping, there's backbiting, there's all there, there's envy, there's strife, there's all these horrible things going on. But let me tell you something: you may be a good match for somebody in your church for all these things, but Christian people will forgive you. But if you get out into the world, this world will eat you alive. If you if you do like Rebecca did and send your kid out into the world, let me tell you something. You send your children out into the world, they may give them back to you, but you may not want them when they're done with them, all right? We are no match for Satan. We are no match for the prince and the power of the air. We are no match for this world apart from the saving grace of Jesus Christ, apart from the power of Jesus Christ. We are nothing, friend. Without God, we are nothing. We cannot defeat anybody. It's only through God we can do that. Jacob was nothing without God. Rebecca, Is nothing without God. And now she's going to turn him over to Laban. And you'll find out, thankfully, Jacob got things right. But you'll find out Jacob's no match for Laban. Okay? Laban was the type of the world. We have no business sending our children, ourselves. We have no business going out into the world for help. This is a perfect illustration of what happens when we do things our way. There is danger. Isaac made his choice, and it wasn't God's choice. On his deathbed, he was lied to by his son and his wife. Rebecca made her choice. Even though it was God's choice, she did it her way, and she lied to the very man she loved before she even knew him. What's that question to the church of Ephesus? Thou has left thy first love. She loses one son to anger. She loses the other son to deceit. She did what God said he was going to do all along, but she did it her way. And what did she lose? She lost her family. Esau only cared about himself. He had hate in his heart. Jacob was a liar and he was a deceiver. There's a house divided. There are broken hearts, broken home, all because they did it their way. Until next time, may the Lord bless you. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Thank you for listening to Preach the Word with Brother Dean Carmichael from Greensboro. You can email Brother Dean Preach the Word 87 at Outlook.com. Preach the Word 87 at Outlook.com. You also can follow our dear friend Brother Dean Carmichael on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Dean Carmichael Jr.